Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 27 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Natalie Cronina, an independent, ready-to-wear, and bespoke bridal designer. I love this episode so much because Natalie is completely transparent, honest, and humble about the emotional, financial, and physical tolls it takes to be an independent designer. Natalie chats about the importance of building time into your schedule to work on things you may find hard like marketing, networking, and promotion, why making it through failures is the true sign of success, and much like the inspiration behind this podcast and one of my favorite things she talks about over and over in this episode is why working together as a community and sharing resources is the best way for all of us to get ahead be out there because there's so many people like you and they're looking for the same thing and they're chasing the same dream and sharing information is is the key because we're not a corporation we don't have the resources that you know an oscar de la renta has as always before we jump into the interview i have a quick favor to ask If you enjoy this podcast, I would be really grateful if you could share it with three other people who you know would enjoy it as well. Go ahead and hit pause right now and take 30 seconds to send the podcast either via text or email, whatever's easiest, to three people you know who would love to listen. Okay, done? Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support. Now, if you'd like to access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com slash 27. Now, on to the interview with Natalie. All right. Well, welcome, Natalie, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Uh, can you start by introducing yourself to everybody and telling us a little bit about what you do in the fashion industry? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Natalie Karenina. I am a fashion designer based in New York. I had a line of ready-to-wear women's clothing, and and now I have been refocused to doing bridal, custom-made bridal gowns. Okay, awesome. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about your journey from your ready-to-wear to to the custom bridal gowns. Uh, You and I chatted uh, once before this conversation, and we talked a little bit about you know, working in the, in the wedding business and how that was not really a path that you saw yourself going down. So can you tell us a little bit about how, how that business evolved from your ready to wear collection? Yes. Um, I went to school in FIT here in New York and after I graduated, I was lucky somehow I got my first order before I even had any like company or anything kind of started officially. Um, I got a first order from um, a woman that I went to school with. She had a store in Brooklyn and she ordered five shirts from me. Um, it, there were like silk blouses. 
And that's when I, I decided to start on my own path. I was still working full-time at another company, but, you know, I made the shirts, I printed the hand tags, I got the labels, the care labels, and then it started from there. You know, I, um, I did a line of clothing. I presented it with um, doing Fashion Week with um, Williamsburg Fashion Weekend, which was an event that we put together. It was focused only on underground designers that were socially responsible. And um, my line, I, I think, had a, a really great start. It, it got a lot of press attention. I got, um, you know, a bunch of orders from small boutiques and then some bigger boutiques. It was sold on Farfetch and ASOS. Um, and that was my true passion. Always, always wanted to have my own line. I always wanted to do women's wear. Bridal was never anything that interests me. Um, I was never one of the, those girls that wanted to have a big wedding or, um, you know, think about the dress or any of that. And um, simultaneously with that, one of my best friends was getting married. And she's also a, like a cool fashion girl. She never thought about her wedding dress. And she asked me to do it. She's like, I don't, I don't like anything that is out there or whatever I like. It's just so crazy expensive that, and you're my best friend, so you have to do this dress for me. So that was kind of the start of it. That was a very long time ago. It was like over like six years ago. Um, so I, th I made her dress, and it was beautiful experience. We had so much fun just creating something so special for her, and the whole day was amazing. And, um, you know, it was it was great, but again, I still wasn't thinking that that's something that I really need to focus or, or want to do. And uh, in the meantime, I kept doing new collections and showing and I was doing trade shows and I was doing pop-up shops you know the life of an independent designer just trying to to make it like I said I had a couple successful seasons I went into production um, with factory two times and after that um, just kind of everything it was just too much to sustain an ind independent designer um, like some of my store closed, another one moved, um, a couple of them, um, re they just started selling different things. And I was kind of at a point in my life where I really needed to make a change, uh, because there was no way I can, you know, I can live, uh, as an independent fashion designer without any funding. It's just very hard to stay afloat and um i literally i mean this might sound a little bit you know out there but i i i was at a point in my life where i was you know i was turning 30 soon and i needed to make a decision am i gonna keep going this route or do i have to get a job and start living my life um because it's i don't as anybody knows when you're in business for yourself it's very hard to keep saying so I, I i always make my big decisions based on my gut 
and that's why I've always uh, went into fashion and I never doubted myself because that's always been my gut that I always knew that that's what I need to do and I said to myself I need a sign and um, the next day a bride walked in into my studio and was like I want I, I looked you up I think you're great I want you to make my wedding dress and that was basically my sign and uh, I decided to really focus on the wedding and I've kind of fallen in love with it. I think what I offer my brides um, is very different than what's out there because it's custom and they can wear something either more fashionable or something that is completely non-bridal, like a pantsuit, but make it special for their occasion and make it very elegant or, you know, make it that... <clears throat> it's not just like buying a white suit. It would be you know, creating it from scratch and making it fit to them, to their body and their personality. Um, so I think it, ever since I, I decided to go into the bridal, it's just things have been happening like a lot more organically. When I was in fashion, I was chasing after magazine, I was chasing after stores, I was chasing after everybody. Um, and now... Things are coming to me, and I, I took that as a sign from, you could call it from God or the universe, but I, I just feel like it's the right path for me. And even though I never imagined doing bridal, I love, I'm loving it now. That's so great, and I love, um, I mean, okay, I, I know I said I wanted to jump right into the bridal, but now that you've sort of introduced your um yourself and and talked about what you did before the bridal. I do want to go a little bit into some of the stuff you said there with what you did with your own collection. Um, and it's really interesting the contrast that you noticed between doing your own collection. You said, I'm, I'm chasing everything. You know, it's like you just feel like you're constantly grasping and trying to get the next thing. Whereas the bridal is just coming a lot more organically, which is like, oh, like a breath of relief as a, as a, um, entrepreneur and as an independent designer. Um, so before we go into the bridal even more, um, you know, your journey as an independent designer is, is great. I mean, you experienced this high of having success, getting your product into stores, um, and, you know, getting great press coverage, but then there was a drop. You said, you know, stores started closing or just carrying different product. Um, and so before we get to that, you know, I want to talk a little bit about um, your start as an independent designer. I know you said you did some trade shows and you did some pop-up shops and some some fashion shows with some underground groups, but a lot of the listeners out here um, in the audience are trying to start their own label or are interested in starting their own label or have already started. Um, and so I'd love for you to talk us through, you know, I mean, you're in New York City. Um, obviously, there's a lot of competition, but there's also a lot of access to amazing resources. And so what were some of the things that you did 
to get attention, to get, I know, I know the first um, order you got was some from someone you knew, but you know, to go to that next level, to get your product into those next stores, to get that press coverage, you know, what did that process look like for you? And how did you strategically get some of those opportunities to, to move forward? Okay. uh, Well, first, um, being a part of, so I'll tell you a little bit about Williamsburg Fashion Weekend. Um, It was, like I said, it was a two-day event where it would be about 14 and 15 designers, um, you know, six or seven each night. And it was open to the public, but also as a group, collectively, we can put, all of us can put our own fashion show, but as a group, collectively, we can have the venue and we can have, um, um, you know, we can invite press to one location, we can invite people and just kind of all of us put in all of our resources into one event. And it was actually started by Arthur Arbit. He is a very close friend of mine now and he is uh, one of the big like the best tailors in New York he did his own collection as well and um, his idea was basically that we're stronger together and that actually really helped me because a lot of the connections I made um, not only with other designers but press or stores it was somehow related to being a part of this kind of close community of independent designers. We all do different things, but if I have a great factory or a great uh, connection for fabric, sharing that information, it's not only good for me because uh, the factory is going to be happy that I'm bringing them more business than just my small, you know, it's a small independent designer, it's a small order. Uh, but it's also good for the other designer, and that really helped me. <clears throat> I also, I really was out there. I was like, I, I had a calendar. I really, every, I had it in my calendar that I have to go and network at least once a week. And when I say network, I don't mean you know, just going blindly to things. But if there's a magazine party or there's a gallery opening or I would make it a point that I have to go out. And it's very hard after you've worked, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day to to want to go to these things. But that was also very important. I met um, one of the photographers that, I, that he shot all my lookbooks. I met him at a magazine um, release party. And it's um, so many other people I just met. Um, one of my best friends who actually is a journalist, and she did the first write-up on me ever. Um, she came to my fashion show, and then she called me for an interview. And later on, now we've become very good friends. But it was through just really putting yourself out there and going to... Because in New York, it is it is... There is a there's something happening, some kind of event, something happening every day almost, not just during Fashion Week. So that was one thing that I did, and then another thing is I really took it into my own hands for the press to really email, email and chase after publications. Do you want to do a blog post on me? Do you want to do an article on me? Do you want to you know just really chasing them. 
Um, so it was almost like I had to have a part of my week where this, the, these things were scheduled, where those are the things I would work on. And just having it organized that way really, really helped me. I love, okay, I mean, both of the things you said there I love so, so, so much. The first one is, you know, being part of a community and sharing those resources with people and like giving them your factory or your fabric source or, hey, I got this awesome press coverage. You know, maybe this, this, uh, writer would be interested in what you're doing. Um, you know, it's something that, that this show is really focused around is helping other people in the industry. It's, it's, such a tight-lipped industry and it's, you know, so quote-unquote competitive that people can be really, they hold their resources very close to their chest. And so I love that you found a group and that you guys were all so open and looking at your quote-unquote competition, not as competition, but like your friends that, you know, let's all work together. We're stronger to do this together. And so I think just as a, as a, you know, one sentence takeaway is really work with the people around you and keep them close to you instead of pushing them away and trying to feel like you're in competition with them. That's not going to do you any good. A hundred percent. I mean, one of the stores that I was in, a friend of mine recommended that I get in touch with him because he's already, he already had been selling to them for a couple of years. Yeah. And obviously you're going to pick and choose. You're not going to recommend, you know, something that doesn't make any sense. But I, I, that is one of the things that I notice from going from fashion to bridal is that fashion is just so close. It's like, it's like so like catty almost. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just very, um, you know, everybody talks a big game, but nobody wants to say that what the struggles are and what it's, it, and we're all going through those struggles as independent designers. You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, putting a fashion show together is so expensive and it doesn't really do anything for your line. You know, it's, it's great to do it, but nobody really tells you that nothing happens at the fashion show. Uh, when you're in school, for example, you know, and things like that, you know, focusing on the business part, nobody really talks about that. And that's what really, you know, kills you. Cause I, I, I have a full closet full of clothes that I make samples, um, you know, that didn't make it to any stores and they're great, but nobody talks about those things, you know, and I really feel that being open and sharing together uh, your resources. I mean, all of the designers that we were part of this fashion show together, just this community, we were all very focused on being socially responsible and having things made the right way. That was one of the main reasons why um, Arthur put the show together is because he wanted to showcase that fashion can be cool, but also be made in in a good, responsible way. And uh, it was it was great. It was a uh, it was it was great to have that communication with everyone. Yeah, that's so amazing. You guys, you know, you find sort of the commonality, and then all work and thrive together. And and you have those people that you can talk to when you are struggling. When you're like, I have this whole 
closet full of samples and I don't like nothing ever made it anywhere. Like that's a tough reality. But like you said, no one ever talks about it. Um, and that, that can be hard. You start bottling up so much of that stuff and you know, you reach burnout, you just start going crazy. And so having that support group, not only to help each other out with resources and to celebrate when things are good, but also just to have a support group and some people to lean on when you're feeling like things are shitty and stuff is not working and it's hard. Um, because that is the, the reality of it. A lot of the time it's a, it's a fight. It's a constant fight. Yeah. And, uh, because we're creatives. So for us, you know, the creation of whatever you're making, that's the most exciting part. That's the part that we only want to work on. So learning about working on all these other aspects and having the discipline to work on them, that's something that really I strongly encourage anyone that wants to build a successful brand. Those are the things that you have to focus. Because obviously, if you have a talent for... That's gonna come for whatever you're making. That's gonna come naturally to you, and you're gonna wanna work harder on it. So you have to really make it a point to work harder on the things that are not your strongest. Which, in most cases, I would say for especially for independent designers and artists, is not the business part. Yeah. Well, and that was that leads right into the other thing that you did, you know, that that was so smart is you you said I physically put it on my calendar that I was going to go to something once a week um because you can't do this in a vacuum. You can't just hibernate in your studio 24 hours a day and then expect people to discover who you are and find your stuff. Like you have to go and put yourself out there and talk to people and meet with people and, and make friends who are doing cool things that might have other connections or opportunities for you. And like you said, that's how you met, um, a lot of people that you wound up doing business with is, is going to these things and forcing yourself, even if you were exhausted to go do that quote unquote networking, um, you know, but going out and meeting people and, and talking to people about what you're working on and sharing stories. It's so important to do that. So I love that you were so thoughtful and conscious of, I'm putting this in my calendar and I'm going to make sure it happens at least once a week. It really was an effort because, you know, like I said, you are exhausted. You have a million other things that you have to do. And probably the last thing on your mind is to go to a cocktail or a party or you know, a talk about how to be successful or anything. But um, I'll give you one example that that really worked out for me. I, um, um, after I became, you know, I, I got a little bit more traction. I wanted to have a studio uh, that was not in my apartment. And I went to a networking event and I actually met the perfect cat, like the perfect person um, her name is Casey Head, and she had um, it was uh, she had a studio that was called Brooklyn Fashion League, and it was again another collective of designers that shared the resources of a studio, um, and she was looking for designers. She had a couple openings. That's how we met. I walked in the next day, and I was there for a year and a half. Of where were you know best friends now too for so and I met other designers that worked there and we had events there where you know we could sell together or we could 
you know, show together to buyers or whatever we needed to do. Um, so yeah, it was, it's important to be out there because there's so many people like you and they're looking for the same thing and they're chasing the same dream and sharing information is, is the key because we're not a corporation. We don't have the resources that, you know, an Oscar de la Renta has. I love that so much. There's so many other people out there like you and sharing the same dream and, you guys just, everybody has to connect. Um, that That's really, really a great sort of mindset. Um, okay, so you, you were able to, to build and grow through, I mean, you hustled, no doubt. Um, and then it got to a point that it was just, did you just feel like it was just getting too hard, like you were forcing it too much, it just wasn't happening, and this bridal stuff, you got these signs, and you got these orders, and you thought, you know, maybe this is, this is a, a I don't want to say a better, easier direction, but maybe just something different to explore for the time being that, that might work for you. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I just couldn't sustain it financially. I put in more than I was taking home. Mm-hmm. That was the bottom line. I had to meet production minimums with the factories. Yeah. And um, you have to put the money up front. Now, when you're an independent designer, I had no financial. I had like a very small investment, but it was not enough to have... You know, you literally have to have a, a you have to have at least eight to twelve months in the bank so you can sustain. By the time you make it and then ship it and get paid, you know, you need that eight to six months to sustain. And I just couldn't do it. Um, it and then another thing is when you're a small company, you know, there's um, there's financial company that could buy the receivable from you, which is they give you, um, you know, they give you a front and then you can use that money for your production and things like that. But I just never made it to where I had enough to have a company like that. So there was nothing really that was kind of in the middle for me to use financially as a loan or anything. And I just couldn't make the jump. And I think I, I was getting close to making the jump, but I guess it was just bad luck where my, like, you know, whatever accounts I had, most of them closed or moved. And that's, I guess that was my sign because they were doing good. I mean, everything I sold to the stores sold, sold to customers. So it wasn't like something like that happened. Um, but I just, you have to put so much money up front. You have to not only make the samples, then you have to make the production, which you make it, you know, you put it up front, you lay out all the money for the materials, the factory, whatever. Then you have to lay out all the money for the marketing, which is the photo shoot, whatever else you're doing, video. And then you have to wait for it to get shipped. Then you have to wait for them to pay you. Most people pay after 30 or 60 days. I had some things that were on consignment, which I strongly don't recommend to anyone because that is just, you know, there's just no, unless you already have a bunch of 
samples or things that are just sitting there, those things can go on consignment. But making new things for going on consignment, I really don't recommend to anyone because it never really pays. You know, stores accept, you know, they expect for you to give them a small, medium, large, for example, of one item. And if you're getting paid for those three pieces, you're getting paid. But if you're on consignment, you only sell the small, you're really losing money. So, um, so I guess that's, that's just what happened. It was just, you know, fake. I don't know. Yeah, I really, you know, um, someone's brought it up on the show before how we never really talk about the true finances that go on behind the scenes of being an independent designer. So I'm really, really happy and, and appreciative that you bring this up so transparently. Um, and, and as you said, you know, you need this, this money to initially start up, but then on top of that, you need eight to 10 to 12 months in the bank of reserves. And that's to keep investing in your business. And also, I mean, to, to, to live, you know, if you have no other income sources, um, maybe you do have other income sources, maybe you work part time or something, but, but the, the money that comes in from the orders, um, that money just turns around and goes right back into into production, into a photo shoot, into something else. And so, you know, what – you said you did, I think, two successful seasons. So do you and, – and you were maybe close to the turning point. Um, you know, what are you seeing in terms of your experience and maybe other designers who you, who you cross paths with in terms of getting to that tipping point where – things start to become profitable and you start to to um, make money and you don't have to continually keep investing every dollar plus more back into what you're doing? I mean, that's a really hard question. Um, I, think, I think a lot of my friends who are into activewear where there's the technology advancement that they're using, um, those people really were able to take off, you know, because there was like it was just something completely new, and they can get backing from from big financial because they're interested in the technology. You can get backing um, because for for a fashion designer, an investor, that's an emotional investment. This investor has to believe in you, in your passion, in your dreams. They have to know you personally. It's not like you're selling socks and you can say, I sold three socks and I made this amount of dollars. And then I'm, if I get orders for 3,000 socks, then I would make. And you know that socks are going to sell and everybody's happy always. Fashion is an, an emotional investor for real, for a big investor to invest. So they either have to see something where there's like technology or something like that. Or you really have to get lucky and find, you know, you're a rich uncle or something. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, it's, there's no actual point where you can show return on investment. You're changing up every season. One season can be great. One season can be bad. I had a friend of mine. She had a great season, um, you know, broke into some major stores, um, 
you know, like anthropology and things like that. And then the next season, they didn't pick up anything of her new collection. And that was, you know, that was a harsh reality for her. So, um, so yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I guess if I knew the answer to that question, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing the bridal. But uh, I always say this, that I think the measurement of success in business is measured by when things get rough. The people that can survive when things, you know, get rough and there's no money coming in, you know, everybody can be a great businessman when there's orders coming in. But for you to be a successful businessman, the people that survive the lows, those are the people that make it. And you have to go through the lows to know what you're doing. You have to. It's just, it's very unfortunate because nobody wants to talk about it or think about it. <laughs> but you have to. And if you make it through that point, then you can really make it. That's what I believe. And I think a lot of the things that I'm doing now with my bridal, I, I've i learned so much from all my mistakes that I did with my collection. And it's in the more most likely that's one of the other reasons why my bridal I feel is going, you know, a lot faster and smoother. But you can't yeah. you can't like discredit all your failures. Those are the things that, you know, you really that's when you you're either going to be successful or not going through the bad times. Yeah. It's um that's that's so great and and I uh I myself have had some some big failures in my business and it feel like when you're down in those trenches like when that roller coaster drops and you feel like it comes to a crashing halt at the bottom of the hill I mean you just want to curl up in a ball and and sometimes you do yeah, you <laughs> For, do you do I, you know you you lose your mind at least once a week <laughs> yeah there's tears and and yeah. it feels really fucking hard and um but, but but the reality of it is that, you know, we all have those moments. And like you said, it's it's talking about that and being honest that that's what it is. And you have to make it through that. Um, and, and that's how you start to measure the success. It is. It's so easy to to feel successful, to feel like everything's great when things are going great. That's when it's easy. And then yeah. when you get slapped in the face or you feel like you get run over by a a bus that's when you know you got to pick yourself up and figure out how to get back to that that successful point um so i love i love your your just raw honesty about so much of this um because as much as it's maybe really tough for people to hear this that's a reality you have to hear this because this is what you're going to go through and if you can't stomach that then maybe it's not right for you Exactly. I mean, that it's, it, you know, they always say you have to have a thing, thick skin and fashion and, you know, and you think it's dealing with people or something superficial. You don't realize it. You're literally not going to have, you're going to have days where you can't afford to buy a cup of coffee or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, or even if you can, I mean, um, if you think about any of the big designers that are successful, um, they all went through it. They all had ups and downs. And, they, you know, they talk about it now, but they didn't know if they were going to make it. And that's I feel like that's anyone in any business when you're in business for yourself. 
there's so many outside factors that influence your business in you could do everything right and you could still get you know because you're dependent on other people in the com- in the community of, of professionals that you're working with or just you know the business like right now I feel like a lot of the retail business is failing and closing because you know they are not you know maybe moving as fast with with the change of attitudes of people but if you if one of your big accounts closes it's not that you only lose whatever they owe you for that month but you lose that income monthly and nobody talks about that for example if if i if i had a store one of my stores i i'm selling them every month or every six months or whatever the case is when they close yeah you don't get paid that whatever last invoice is but you're also not going to be getting paid ahead and that's that's what puts you out of business you know that's what it crushes you is because you lose the 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 year long you know business yeah um, and so it's, it's just, then, then it turns into the, it's a constant churn and you, you can like, essentially, you know, this is such a, a cheesy business thing to say, but, um, I th- there's even an acronym for it, ABC, always be closing, you know, always be out there getting new accounts, closing new yeah. deals, always yeah. be selling. Um, it's, it's a constant, um, which is why, you know, a lot of brands ultimately wind up having sales teams and things to that extent, but that takes a while to get to that. Um, you mentioned earlier, and so I'd love to talk about, you know, what are some of the things that you, like the biggest learning, uh, biggest lessons learned that you took from your experience as an independent designer with your collection into your bridal business that you think have helped you with your success in that? Um, and and so maybe there are things that have just helped you in the bridal business, or maybe there are things that, you know, looking back, if you had this, you know, five, six, seven years of experience, what what are some small things you could have done differently? Um, you know, for people out there listening, you know, what what's working now that that you learned from some of those hard lessons early on? Well, I really, when I decided to take on the bridal, I really wanted to do it slow and a slower, a lot slower paced because I was personally burning myself out, sort of say. Um, all I did was work, you know, like every day, seven days a week, all year round. And I, with the bridal, I, I decided that I also have to have my personal life you know, I can't only live for this. I mean, I still do. I still do, you know, but I try not to. <laughs> um, and I really just take it slowly. And I know I have big ideas. I have big things, but I want to get to them slow, slower. I'm not, you know, I'm not just, oh, my God, I have to. This has to happen this year. I have, like, more of a kind of a five-year plan, basically. I mean, my plan is more year to year always, but I make specific goals, what I want to achieve um, with my website or with my, you know, reach to customers, how many sales I want to get. And I, I work towards a specific goal. And once I achieve that, then I'm like, okay, let me think about the next idea or the next thing that I can add. So it's really, you know, growing at like a pace where it can sustain itself. Um, I 
really have, you know, I'm, I'm going to really try very hard to, to grow that way. And, um, it's working so far and, and it just, it just makes you so much happier, you know, because it's actually working. So do you think that if you had maybe gone a little bit slower with your collection and financially alleviated yourself by, you know, maybe working part time, so you're bringing in some income to help support that. And as a result, you have less time to work on your collection. And so you build it a little bit more slowly, but it's less of an emotional and a financial strain that you could have, you know, spent a little more time building something that could have worked long term that you didn't get burnt out both emotionally and financially so quickly. I mean, am I hearing that kind of right? It wasn't quick. I was in business for like five years doing Okay. It. Okay. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can say maybe, but at the same time, I, like I said, I believe in my own personal journey that everything happens for a reason. So I really feel that I found my true calling now and whatever happened, with my line was great and I loved it and I'm very proud of it, but I'm also happy that it got me to this point and I'm doing what I'm doing now. So I can't say, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think there was not one thing where this is what I did wrong and that's what everything started to fall apart. It was Mm -hmm. nothing like that. It was just, it was just too, it's, 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 I don't know. I really don't know. I know that people have started big labels from nothing. I don't know if in our day and age, um, you know, if it's, if I, I just feel the competition when you're basically competing, if, especially if you make your thing, if you make your, like your line here, you know, you're competing with, you know, things that are made overseas in Bangladesh or China and there's just no financial way you can sustain that. Like the, you know, there's just no way you can turn a profit where you're paying over a thousand percent more than the big corporations, or not corporations, but the big how. You know, they are basically corporations. So there's just no way. So I think being a part of a collective is something that I would recommend. You know, where maybe you are a part of a collective with other designers and you kind of, you know, do things as a group. So financially it's easier on everyone. But even if you make 50% profit on your, on your, that's still not enough, you know, to really, to compete with what's with production overseas. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, you know, and on a lot of levels, it is, it is, it's hard. I mean, you're working with lower minimums, lower margins. Um, but on a, on the other side of the coin, you know, the, the industry is shifting a bit. Um, there's more resources uh, for designers to do domestic manufacturing. Um, pricing is getting more competitive. I know overseas uh, factories are starting to compete at lower minimums, and the consumer is changing a little bit. Yes. Um, 
So I, I think, you know, while all you, all of the, all the things you say are absolutely true and it is still tough and it's still a fight. Um, I mean, that's at least my experience. And, and from a lot of the people I've had on the show is that there is a shift. It's a very slow shift. Um, but it's, it's, the needle is starting to move the other direction. Um, and so, you know, there's uh, there's ways that people can figure out to, how to do it, how to make it work. And again, it's going to be I, hard. Like you've said, it's going to be very hard. I 100% agree with you, and I believe in that. I believe that the consumer is going to change. I, uh, I, I, I absolutely agree with that because I... There is only so much consumerism that we can we can take. Um, you know, finding a special piece that was either custom made for you, or you know the person that made it, or there's a story to it, something that is really of great quality. Um, it having a piece like that in your closet, that's something that you're always gonna want to wear, and you're never gonna you know throw it out. It's always gonna be with you. Um, and then always, every time you put it, you're going to feel that special connection to it. Yeah. And I pe- think people are, are, are really tired of just, you know, buying a bunch of crap, thro- wearing it on the weekend and then throwing it out. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I rent the runway so successful is because you don't have to own this crap. You can just wear it and then whatever you're done with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that I think you're absolutely right, and I always believe in fashion. It's uh, people. There, there's new blood always needed. Like I said, you know, and there's new ideas that are always coming, and that's what uh, you know, that's what that's what it is. And you have to. I mean, just because my first line didn't make it, it doesn't mean I'm not gonna have a line in the future. Yeah. And I'm really hopeful for that, and I'm gonna do it. I. I already, you know, I am not originally, I'm, I am originally from Bulgaria. I already made it to New York, so to say. So that was kind of, for me, all the luck I needed. Now it's only hard work ahead. And I'm ready. And I've been ready. So I, I, I 100% like, agree with you that I think the consumer is changing. And it is our job. To really point that out to them, because most people have no idea what actually goes into making anything anymore. They don't have their grandma sh- sewing at home, showing them how <laughs> things are made. You know. Yeah, but it's uh, and and not the the custom uh, wedding dresses are anything super super new, but on some level, you know, you. I would imagine you've got to be seeing some of that with the brides that you're working with and these people that want this dress that has a story that they work with you and they didn't just buy something off the shelf and, and not to say buying something off the shelf is not right because for a lot of people that's what works and that's great. But you know, you're providing now with your bridal business, um, this customized experience to create something really special for these brides. So you know, I think on some level, um, that speaks volumes. Yes. I mean, it really is an alternative to the store, you know, and I go to all the trade shows. Like I said, I always try to go to networking things or trade shows and things like that. And I see it's the same factory turning out the same designs for all the big 
you know, or whatever, with small variations. But, and it's fine, it's completely fine. But there's another alternative now with me, and there's other people that do it too. And where I think a lot more people are shifting into having a custom experience. They really want something special. They want the experience. They want to be a part of it. They want to know, you know, how it works, why we're doing it this way. You can incorporate something really special, either like a vintage fabric or some piece of something of from your mom's dress or something else, or you can incorporate a design element for, from your venue or in your invitations. And there's just, it, it's really, it's something special. And for bridal, it works perfect because that whole day is about, you know, really being special and having an amazing experience. So it just goes hand in hand for bridal. But I think it, it, it's going to also translate to, um, you know, to other parts of fashion. And um, but the bridal, what I notice also is a lot of people, a lot of my brides, they they want to wear one thing for this part of the wedding and then change it to something else for another part of the wedding. And when they work with somebody like me, that's very easy to do. It's kind of like creating their own mini wedding collection. So everything is kind of the same, but you know, figure it out for whatever part. Um. So, so yeah. That's that's really great, and that's such a fun process to go through um, for the bride and for you to sort of create that mini collection. That's really fun. Um, you know, I'm, I know you said you still are going to these these events and getting out there and talking to people and meeting people, um, but for anyone out there listening who wants to go into custom bridal or custom, uh, I guess, custom anything where you're making one-off you know, just mm-hmm. for that customer to fit their body. Um, you know, what are some ways you've been able to attract new clients and, and grow? And, and I know I know it started pretty organically, but have you done anything specific to help build that business up? Um, well, I think the bridal industry is a little bit different than fashion. I think if, if somebody wants to buy a call, you know they're gonna look at the coat and buy it and wear it. If you if you're thinking of going to buy a wedding dress, you're really gonna do research on that brand. You're really gonna you know if, if they're gonna go to my website, they're gonna go check out my reviews. They're gonna see whatever other press I have or anything online. They're gonna go to my Instagram. They're gonna really look at the whole brand and kind of online stalk me. And then they're gonna meet with me. It's a long process before you know you 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 know you decide to do it together. Um, they really because it is custom. They have to, you know. I I have a long meeting with them and we discuss everything. It doesn't have to be just about the dress. Everything about the wedding and just kind of to get to know each other's personality. Because ultimately, if they're gonna go with me, they have to like me and they have to trust me. Um, there is no dress hanging in the closet they can try on and we can make, you know, or whatever pantsuit or whatever it is that they want to create. So they have to get to know me and trust me. And I think really putting all that information out there and really giving them the time to talk and to go back and forth with email, 
that really helps me because you know I deal with a lot of brides and it's it's such an emotional time during a person's life and it's also very stressful you know so you know you've heard about the bridezilla and whatever <laughs> it's because you know it's very stressful you're spending a lot of money you're making a lot of decisions everybody's giving you their advice and it's very easy to you know to lose your mind uh so i talk to my brides and i'm i almost like you know talk to, to them through some of those things too uh, but just you know I don't know. I mean, it's just being really visible with it everywhere that you can online. It depends on what you're doing. If it's bridal, there's so many resources. And the bridal community is a lot more open because everybody kind of works together. Because, you know, if you have a great photographer and you have a great floral person, you can recommend it. And then they can recommend you and everybody kind of recommends each other mm. and works together. So it's just being visible and putting as much information out there about the process. Um, a lot of my brides really enjoy where I, uh, when I share with them exactly the process, the technical parts, they really love that because it's something new for them and they don't know what it, what it takes and they, they love being a part of that. And at the end of the day, most times it's almost like we design the dress together. We make it together in that way where, you know, we really pick the fabric out together or we decide, like, should we go a little bit lower or higher with whatever, you know. And that that's really that's really nice for them. Yeah, that's so interesting because, um, you know, it's something that we see – we, we talked about it earlier, but we see um, this shifting in the fashion industry on a consumer level is the consumer's desire to be more involved in the process. Um, not even necessarily involved, but it, that the process is more transparent. You know, it happened with, with Everlane years ago, and then all these other brands are kind of hopping on um, that trend of transparency in the design and production and development process, people like that. That's interesting to the consumer, whether it be buying something mm -hmm. off the shelf or whether it be, you know, working with you to do a custom gown. People, that's fun for them. They've never done that before. It's new. It's really interesting. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you feel like you have this thing that you guys created together. Um, so I love that. And the other thing I love that you said, um, and what, 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 the first thing I thought of when you kind of talked through the process of how you work with them and how, you know, this is a tough time in their life and it's very stressful and they're making a lot of decisions and spending a lot of money. Um, it sounded almost as though you are there for them even during the initial process before they even, you know, let's say committed to working with you, you're there for them as a friend and as a support person. You're not there out there doing like hard sales no. Yes. I mean, I'm not doing that because ultimately I really, I take a lot of integrity in my work and I want, I want the woman wearing my clothes to be happy, to feel amazing because my clothes, you know, fashion is an art that doesn't really live unless somebody wears it. Mm. So it, it, me having my own vision for someone that's one thing, but having my own vision 
you know, being inspired by that person, what they really want and what's really going to make them feel amazing. That's like something incredible. And whenever there's always that one moment when we put the dress on, either when it's almost ready or when it's ready, where like, you know, the bride just kind of like looks at herself and like is either tearing up or you can just feel like the magic, you know, after all these months of like talking and working and prepping it, that is just incredible to me. So I am there as a friend and as a, you know, a, a support person because I have a lot of experience and why not offer it and share it? You know, most, if, if you, if you're not in the industry, you don't know where to start. You don't know what to do. And it gets so overwhelming. And if I can, if I can share and, you know, help them in any way, um, why not? You know, that's, that's the whole point is to, and most of my brides I become friends with, you know, I can call them and ask them for a favor. You know, you spend a lot of time together. So it's, it's, you, you build a relationship. And I think, I think my brides really appreciate that as well, that yeah. we, we have a connection after them. And, and like I said, that's why I said that I know it's it, making hard sales is, is great in some things but for me I have to make a sale I have to show them exactly what they're getting themselves into with me personally they have you know they have to like like me like my personality because otherwise if I make something and they're not happy that's not good for my company or for anyone you know it's yeah. not just bad for her it would be bad for me too because all my brides for the rest of their life you know, it's not like, oh, I wore this top one time. This is their wedding dress. For the rest of their life, they're going to be my PR team out there talking. <laughs> so so that's why I really focus. And it, I really enjoy it. I actually really enjoy it. I do. It, and uh, I think that's also why now I feel like that I found my calling because I actually really enjoy it. Yeah, that's fantastic, Natalie. Um so many great stories and I again I love your humbleness and your willingness to just be really raw and and truthful and honest um, to talk about some of these things that you know nobody really wants to to put out there on the table um, and I'll end with a question that I ask everybody at the end um, and I you've said many things that would answer this question so if you need to repeat um, you can but what is one thing that nobody ever asked you about working in fashion that you wish they did um I don't know I think that you know fashion you know people have it in their heads that fashion is this like really cool glamorous environment where we're all like really cool and we do really cool things all the time <laughs> um and we dress up and we go to these fabulous things or fashion shows or parties or photo shoots and um you know and it's true it's true i we do that we do do that and it's fun but you know there's there's a lot more that goes into it and i think that the the fashion if you're in the if you're in it for those reasons, because you like shopping or you like clothes, like to wear, you know, things like that, um, as a designer, that's not enough. You know, you really have to 
really get to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and really learn the craft. And I love, you know, I know that you don't have to sew every garment, but you have to know what you're doing. And um, it's, it's a very long process. I think it takes about 10 to 20 years. Mm. Um, I really, I, lo- I, I interned with some of the big designers in New York and I know their story and I, I always, you know, watch interviews or, you know, read a, a lot about the big names. And I, I, there's a trend where they actually, yeah, they were the new kid on the block, but to get to be the new kid on the block, it took them 10 to 20 years. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question, but no, I did. just think that you should, you should, you know, I want to end on a positive, you know. It is amazing, and you get those moments where, you know, when you're in your photo shoot and you see your whole outfit together and the camera is, like, clacking and you get goosebumps, like, going down your spine or, you know, at the end of the fashion show, you get those moments. You know, now with the bridal, when the bride calls me, like, the next day or from the wedding. Like, I've had brides call me from their wedding. Mm. You know, and you get these moments, and that's what makes it all all worth it, because you really did something, and you know, and that's that's what you know you should you should be happy for. So, I love that, and that's such a great note to end on. That um, you know, there's there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and you've got to have the drive and the ambition to want to get through all that. But then that moment whatever that moment is for you as a designer, it makes it that much more special. Those goosebumps that much stronger, that emotion that much stronger. And and I think at the, at the root of it, that's why a lot of us do what we do. So I love that. Thank you for yeah. painting that picture. Um, all right, Natalie, where can everybody listening find you online? My website is nkbride. And you can see examples of my work there. You can see a lot about my process. Um, my blog also, I try to post cool things about bridal ideas that are not related to dresses. Awesome. And also you can see my previous collections um, uh, through there too. Awesome. nkbride.com? nkbride.com. Awesome. I will link to that in the show notes. Natalie, thank you so much. This was really, really fun to chat with you. Um, thank you for sharing your story. And as I've mentioned already a couple times, for being so vulnerable and raw and humble about, about what really goes on behind the scenes. I really appreciate you sharing that with everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 27. I'd also like to take a quick minute out to thank all the people behind the scenes that make this show possible for you guys. I have a little small team that puts a lot of work and effort into making this possible, and I want to give, a, give them a quick shout out and thank you. First, to my amazing husband, Mark. He is not only my editor and my sound guy to make sure that the audio sounds great, but he is also the inspiration behind this show, and I would not be sitting here talking to you guys right now if it weren't for him. Thank you, Mark, for all your support over the years and for pushing me to get this show out the door and give all this great content to all of you guys listening in there in the audience. 
second is my awesome promoter, Teresa. Teresa helps get the show out and share the show on social media and make sure that you guys get notified of every new episode. So thank you, Teresa, for helping promote the show and getting more listeners on the podcast. All right, you guys. Thanks so much again for listening. I will ask you one more time, if you do like this podcast, if you like this episode, do me a quick favor and share it with three people who you know would enjoy it as well. I've gotten amazing feedback from a lot of you telling me how life-changing this podcast has been for you, how much it's helping you grow, gain more confidence, understand the industry better. So think about how much it's helped you and pass that love along. So please share this with three people that you know would enjoy it. I would be super grateful. SuccessfulFashionDesigner.com. Thanks so much for listening, you guys, and I will talk to you next week.